As I mentioned before, some of you know Ben and Pam are away for the weekend, so we have a guest speaker this morning. Uh, and that's Jonas Bundy. Jonas is pastor for equipping ministries and local outreach at Bethel Evangelical Church. He and his wife Greta have four kids. He is a Dallas Seminary graduate and a longtime friend of the Killer Lanes. Uh, in fact, at one point, Jonas, Greta, Ben, and Pam were all on staff at Schofield Church. Welcome, Jonas. Thank you, Herb. Well, it's sure good to be with all of you this morning. I, uh, I always get a little bit nervous when I preach, and uh, I want to thank you for clapping before I preached. That's a great uh, reception from you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's good to be here. Ben and Pam and my wife Greta and I, yeah, we all, we all work together at Schofield Memorial Church in Dallas, Texas. And then uh, Ben transitioned out to Memphis. And then a few years later, Pastor Matthew transitioned to this place called Fargo, North Dakota. And in God's sense of irony, uh, I, I didn't know where that was. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like many of the people I've met since, uh, you know, I said, well, I heard there was a movie. And that's all I knew. And we figured out where Fargo was. And then uh, Matthew... Uh, called me about six months later, and he said, Jonas, I can't get your name out of my head. I think we might, uh, we might be interested in hiring you away if you're interested at all. And I was so frustrated at that time. Uh, you can imagine uh, the senior pastor left, and I was doing some interim work for the church there and uh, really thought that I was going to be the glue that helped hold the church together. You know, it's funny how we get these ideas about what we expect God to do in us and through us and uh, really had attached my hands very firm to the wheel and was doing, a, I think, an acceptable job. And then God had different plans. And so through the course of events, uh, we flew up here in, I believe it was it was either March or April, you will remember this better than I, uh, the crest of the flood of 2009. And, and you remember uh, the churches came together, we gathered, we worshipped uh, at an event, I think they called it the flood or something like that, at, at the Fargo Theater. And I got to participate in that as a guy who just wanted to see the community. And uh, actually I had to argue my way into it. My, my hiring pastor said, we can't have you come, it's flooding. And I said, but if I don't come, this is going to be one of those BCAD events, so I'd really like to see it. And uh, they flew me up, and we had a great experience, and I fell in love with this place. We love Fargo. We love the community, and, and it's good to see so many friends here. I see a lot of Park Christian families, and um, Ralph with the New Life Center, and just some of the joy we've had working there together. This is great to be with you. I, w I want to thank you for welcoming me today. Uh, thanks to Ben and Pam for their warm, uh, just, it's, it's been a great reunion of friends. And I want to tell you, as from a church on the other side of the river, just how blessed we are to know that when we stand um, in, in the pulpit on a Sunday morning, we are not alone, friends. Uh, we live in a community where the gospel is being faithfully taught uh, week in and week out by a variety of churches in this community, and we stand together. And, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness as a church family, for what it's worth. I mean, I'm just one guy, but thank you for being a witness in this community and participating with us in many local outreach opportunities. You know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful for this community. I, I could ramble on and on, but I better stop. And uh, just 
Really, thank you. It's good to be with you. I, I want to I also pause this morning. I was told by one of my veteran friends that if I thank him, he's going to punch me, so I'm not going to thank the veterans this morning. Um, but I would like to, to just acknowledge that for many of us, we know people or have very close family members who are deeply affected by some of the recent wars and the, and the, the, the giving of life that so many of our, our veterans have done. And uh, I want to acknowledge that this morning, that this is Memorial Day weekend, and we have a lot to be thankful for. This morning, as I was praying with some of your leaders, um, one of your leaders prayed, you know, God, this isn't a perfect country, but thank you that it's our country. And thank you that it's a country that, that we have an opportunity to worship freely this morning. And so for, if that's where you are this morning, I, I just want to say bless you. And, and let's be there together. Let's be in a space where we say, God, we're not perfect Thank you for the freedom we share. And we recognize this morning that around the world, a lot of our brothers and sisters don't have that freedom. And so when we preach and as we pray and as we sing together, let, let's do that with a sense of deep-hearted gratitude. Does that resonate with you? It does with me. Because I know for many of us, our life is just filled with, um, I, well, let's say it this way. My pain may not be worse than your pain, but it's my pain. <laughs> You know, the brokenness of relationship around me may not be as bad as the brokenness of relationship around you. And if, if we were to go around the room, we could probably do a little straw poll. And, and in the end, we might even agree. We might say, okay, well, this family over here, they got it really bad, okay? You know? I, I mean, the last time I, I looked at this text, it was around the holiday season. How many of you guys, you've experienced this, right? Like, the holidays bring out the best and the worst in you? Maybe your family's like ours. We try to cram, you know, three years into three days. Or, or a few months into a day and a half. And, and, you know, it just brings out the best and the worst. And so if we were to line everybody up and we were to check your stress level, uh, you know, just within your family, we might say, wow, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there to, to make things better. Um, that's how we learn to say it. You know, there's opportunity to get better. We try not to say how bad it is. Um, you know, if we looked at your job situations, we might look around and we might say, wow, that, that relationship is really broken at work. And man, I would love for God to do something there. Well, I hope today to visit with you from the text. And if you'd like to use the Bible, I understood from Ben that you guys also use the especially spiritual version of the Bible. Uh, we made that transition at Bethel a few years ago, and that's been a joke for some of us um, who come from different traditions. And, you know, it's, the, the English Standard Version is my, one of my favorites these days. But on page 966, if you have that Bible, um, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I, I want to do something that has potential to be dangerous. Uh, I understand from Ben this is a familiar passage in the church family. And so in that sense, the danger is that in our familiarity, we miss what's there. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up, uh, y'all don't realize how wonderful this is, okay? I am in a Baptist church on a Sunday morning speaking to my friends in the faith, okay? I grew up in a Baptist church, and, and I've, I've participated in, uh, like, I'm, I'm a denominational mutt these days, okay? <laughs> Independent Bible church, Evangelical Free, Christian Missionary Alliance, and, and it was just so warm to come back in here and to pray with some of my Baptist family, and, and um, you, you guys, I grew up around this stuff, and for some of you, that's not your story. And I respect that and I acknowledge that. And so, so I'm going to do my best to explain the text and help you get there. For some of us, this text is so familiar that, that we can just breeze through it. And, and it's like, you know, for some of us, when we read Psalm 23, we go, yeah, I've heard that for years and years and years. I get it. But then when you sit down and really uh, soak it in, you realize how rich it is for you. 
And I hope to do that with you today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 11, but we're really going to focus around verse 16 and following. I'm not really sure how to put this in question form, but here's what I'd love for you to, to end up with. I would love for you to leave today with this idea that I can rejoice in the opportunities God gives me as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. If that's all we leave with, then it will have been worth our time looking at the text. That God is inviting us into this place of, well, he sees our brokenness. He's not surprised by it. And he's inviting us to a place of receiving Jesus Christ as the satisfier of that brokenness, and then rejoicing in the opportunities we have to, to then encourage others with that same hope. In, in fact, um, I, I, I would make the case, Paul is the, the best case of this, but he's probably one of the most unlikely people to preach this message. If you remember the, the story of the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures, is here's a guy who is, is highly educated. Um, he, he comes from an incredible family of influence. He's well-trained in, in the Jewish Scriptures. He's a, he's a persecutor of the church. He's one of the most zealous guys in the world. And, and then something radical happened in his life. And, and I want you to see that here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. It says here, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Paul speaking of Jesus. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if you're like me, you've read this many times. Or maybe for the first time you're hearing this. And, and I don't want us to too quickly skip over this. I want us to see and to, to sit here and soak for just a minute under, the, un, under this text and, and to really give thought to this. You see, um, this is Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. As Paul and, and his young um, men with him were out planting churches, they would often do what baby churches do. Uh, they created messes. They, they created baby messes. I mean, it's like raising children, right? When they're little, they create little, miss, uh, little messes, and, and, and you've got to work with them. And so Paul, in the first letter to the Corinthians, was actually very firm with them. And he said in his first letter, I'm writing this uh, with, with strong conviction, with tears in my eyes. I'm imploring you to behave this way. And, and to summarize the entire first letter of Corinthians, are you ready for this? He said, stop it. 
<laughs> okay? I mean, they were a mess. You know, they were excited about who's following who and who's, you know, I, I, I'm this guy's fan and I'm this guy's fanboy and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. He's like, no, stop. It's about Jesus. Uh, you know, and, and you've got this guy in your church that you really love, but man, he's doing some really bad stuff. Chapter 5, he shouldn't be doing that. Take care of it. You know, and, and you've got guys who are so excited about their spiritual gift, they're not letting anybody else practice their spiritual gift. Knock that off. You're one body. And then in the second letter, we see he actually began the letter with a, a message of comfort. Remember that God comforts us in a comfort who is Jesus. And then here in chap, chapter 5, verse 11, he's saying, We persuade you in the fear of the Lord. Uh, to summarize, verse 12 and following, he says, You know, some of you, you want to boast about us, but, but I've learned to boast in my weakness. Some people are saying, We are just out of our minds. We should have come there ourselves, and we should have told you what was what. But instead, I wrote you a letter. And it was hard for me. You know, people are thinking I'm crazy. And he said, well, if I'm crazy, may I be crazy for Jesus. And if I'm in my right mind, may it be for your benefit. You know, this was for you. And he reminds him, verse 14, that one has died for all. And in him, you also are invited to die. That you might not, no longer live for yourselves, but for him who died for you. Watch verse 16. This is fascinating. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. For even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him this way no longer. Verse 16 is powerful. Paul, Paul is inviting us, I think in so many ways, to respond, to be reconciled to God by beginning with this idea that, that we once thought of Jesus without a spiritual lens on who he is. And Paul was the worst. But, but along came this experience on the Damascus Road where the Spirit of God woke him up, you know, knocked him off his animal and got his attention, sent a messenger to go talk to Paul, and the scales come off his eyes, and he sees Jesus for who he is. Jesus is not just simply a good guy with a great message. He wasn't just like a social change agent. He wasn't just a, 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 you know, the latest hippie to come through the, through the area and have a good message. There were lots of those guys. This Jesus was radical. He's God in the flesh. He's the Son of God. And, and Paul says, now guys, no longer do we think of him as we once did. No, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love this language here, verse 17. If you are a believer in Christ, if you have received the gift which is found in the person of Jesus, the, the old is done. The, the grammar is, a, is, a, is an emphatic construct here. That's, that's gone. There is a new reality. Paul will say in some of his other letters, he says, you know, um, now that you've come to Christ, take off the old coat of your old flesh and put on the new coat. Here he's using death and life language. He's saying, you, that's died. That's dead. That's the old way of thinking. This is the new way of thinking. If you have received the good news, which is Jesus, that's your reality. And I think in so many ways, can I, I'd like to just summarize that for you. You know, Paul says here, this is from God, who through Christ, verse 18, has reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. God is reconciling the world to himself. He's not counting their trespasses against them, but he's entrusting this message of reconciliation to others. You see, Paul recognized that he was a broken man before a holy God. Reconciliation has a strong uh, relational uh, 
in intensity to it. When I first read this passage, as I was breezing through it and kind of taking it for granted, I thought, oh, that's like justice, right? How many of you in your brokenness long for justice? You know, I mean, you look around the world and, and you think about the human trafficking elements. I'm so thankful for the work that's being done in our community to attack that evil. You know, you look at the injustices that happen politically or the injustices that happen in your family or at work and these kind of things. You long for justice. When, when you go to the, before a judge, the judge provides justice. He says, according to the law, that was right, that was wrong, judgment. Many of us, we long for that. Reconciliation is related, and there's some overlap, but it's deeper than that. Reconciliation is a replacement of relationship. Where once I was being wronged, and there was an evil or or, or some sort of uh, animosity relationally, now that's being replaced. You know, for a lot of you, if you've ever been reconciled in a relationship, it, it allows you to kind of take a deep breath and just sigh. Oh, that's been, that's been fixed. That's been replaced. Some of the languages I tried to make sense of this, uh, of reconciliation, it, it's where war is replaced with peace. It's where anger is replaced with love. Where once you were my enemy, now you're my friend. You see, that's what happens when we trust Christ as our Savior. Paul says in so many ways here that, well, he was not counting their trespasses, verse 19, against them, but in Christ, God the Father is reconciling us to himself. There's an assumption made here about our brokenness that we are actually, apart from Christ, enemies of God. And if you know the story of Paul, that's how... Jesus interrupted his life. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you my enemy, Paul? Look what I've done for you. And God, through the person of Jesus, God the Father, through the person of Jesus, replaced Paul's enmity with friendship. He replaced his anger with love. He replaced that war on the church with a peace, and he became one with Christ. And he was reconciled to him. And then verse 18 says that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we have trusted Jesus, we are given this ministry of not just simply being reconciled with God, but being about the work of seeing others reconciled to God and seeing those broken relationships reconciled. Verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He wasn't counting their trespasses against them, entrusting this message to us. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. I want to make a couple of notes here for your, for your benefit. Ambassador for Christ, you might remember in the, in the ancient world just as, as today, if you're an ambassador for a leader, you're to be treated with the same dignity and respect and kindness as if the leader had sent you. And Paul is saying in so many ways that image can help us understand what we're about. As you go out, you have been gifted by the grace of God a ministry of reconciliation. You have an opportunity with joy to then present yourself as one who represents Jesus. And it's an amazing opportunity. Warren Wiersbe, one of the the great pastors of our, of our decade, or I mean, uh, of the last century, he used to say this. He said, when I was a young pastor, it used to embarrass me somewhat to make visits and confront people with the claims of Christ. 
Maybe you can relate to that. You've trusted Jesus, and now you take a little bit of a risk, and you're like, okay, I, I want to minister to you. I see where you're a little bit off. I want to tell you that out of love, like Paul did. Or maybe I want to visit you, but I want to do it in a way that really honors Christ. And, and I just feel a little off here. Anybody else been there? It's not just me? Okay, thank you. Um, here's what Wearsby says. He says, then it came to me that I was a privileged person. I was an ambassador for the king of kings. This is, in so many ways, it was what defined him. He said, there was nothing to be embarrassed about. In fact, the people I visited, well, well, many of them were even grateful that one of Christ's ambassadors had come to see them. That's the ministry, the grace gift you've been given. If you're in Christ, you have the opportunity to be his ambassador. And Paul was functioning that way here. God is making his appeal through us, and I want to say through you. And then verse 20, Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ. Now, the English um, is challenging here, and they did an excellent job translating this, but how many of you on a daily basis talk about imploring someone? I can't remember the last time I implored somebody. You know, I, I just don't use that word very much, but it's trying to grasp this idea of begging and pleading and earnestly seeking for the benefit of another. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with a couple that was really struggling. And, and, it, and it's my job, right? I'm a pastor, so, so that's, that's what we do. We visit with people, or maybe in a counselor's office. You kind of expect the counselor to, you know, plead and, and beg for you and this kind of thing. But I, I felt like maybe for the first time or, or, or a real reminder, I got to experience this word. You know, when everything is on the line... When you know that, that the choices that a person that you love is about to make is either going to bring life or bring death into their relationship, and, and you're earnestly seeking for their benefit, I want that to be the emotion that attaches to this word. Paul says, I beg you on behalf of Jesus. I, I implore you as if your entire life depends on it because it does. As one who is distant from God, who is now reconciled to God, as one who used to be at war with Christ, as one who now has peace with Christ, as one who used to be angry at the church, who now loves the church, I implore you on behalf of Jesus, watch verse 20, be reconciled. Be made right. Don't just simply experience the justice of God, but by faith receive the gift which is relationship with God through the person of Jesus so that you might become his friend. And then he expands on this. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ who is the perfect humanity and deity, fully God, fully man, became the sin offering to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. He did that so that the judge wouldn't simply have to pronounce judgment, but so that the judge could become your friend through the person of Jesus, and you could be rightly related to him. Well, friends, I want to invite you, if I could summarize this in so many ways, I think what Paul's message is that we're invited to receive the gift which is found in Jesus Christ, we have, to do that, we have to recognize that we really are broken and we're distant from him. And if you need evidence of that, just ask somebody that loves you enough to tell you you're broken. <laughs> I mean, uh, not a week goes by that I don't see my brokenness, okay? Not, 
not a day goes by, rarely an hour goes by, and often if it's a few minutes, I feel pretty good about myself. Friends, we're broken people in need of a great Savior. Recognize that. And respond appropriately by grace through faith. You know this stuff. We know this stuff. The same way you entered into the relationship is the same way you'll grow in the relationship. And then I want to invite you to this. Like Warren Wiersbe had this experience where he realized, hey, I am an ambassador for the king. And that's not an arrogant place. That's a place of rejoicing and deep-seated identity in Christ. Rejoice in your opportunities to be an ambassador. Because, friend, if you've received the grace of God, then you've received an opportunity to, to demonstrate that grace to others. I want to end with this story, and, and I know for a lot of you, when you hear that, that's just great news, right? When the preacher says, I just have one last point. I actually have two. I'm teasing. Um, you know, we talk about justice. We talk about reconciliation. It's been my privilege over the last year to serve with the jail chaplains ministry in Fargo, in Cass County. And uh, one of the chaplains there, his name is Mike. And Mike really impacted my life last October. I had the opportunity to interview him as a, as a board member. And we were going to do a little interview up on the stage for our annual fundraiser. And, and I didn't expect what I was going to hear from Mike. I called him on the phone. I said, Mike, we know each other. We visited a lot. We, I always enjoy being around you. But, but I need some help understanding this because I'm studying the scriptures and we're going to be interviewing you. You know, justice I get, reconciliation is a little hard for me. And, and here you are with all these people where the judge has come down and said, this is your sentence. You've done wrong. Here's your sentence. And you know, guys, in our system, as great as it is, and, and it's wonderful, the judge doesn't often become best friends with these people, right? I, I said, Mike, how do you make sense of this as you go into the jail? How do you make sense of this? How do you live this out, this ministry of reconciliation? And he said, Jonas, it's really simple. I just tell him my story. I said, that's all you got? (laughs) Really? He said, well, Jonas, it's not hard. There I was, one who is distant from God in all of my brokenness and, and really a mess. And God, by the power of the Spirit, awakened me to the person of Jesus Christ where I was able to see him as if I'd never seen him before. And with clarity of vision and, and by grace through faith, I trusted Christ and it absolutely changed my life. I said, well, that's a story, isn't it? He said, that's all I do. I said, okay, but what do you do with these guys who obviously at times can just really frustrate you and, and you know, career criminals? They, they, they obviously, you've told me stories, they've hurt you in the past. And then he said this. He said, brother, I died a long time ago. And because of that, I'm okay. And that phrase, brother, I died a long time ago, has wrecked me. Because what, what Mike has experienced and what some of us have experienced and what you're invited to experience, Paul, like Paul, he says, I beg you, I plead, I plead for you to experience this, is what Paul wrote about in Galatians 2.20. He said, um, For I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. The invitation this morning is to die to your old self and to rejoice in the opportunities you have to live a new life in Christ as his ambassador. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder through your word this morning that you are a God who loves us. You did not leave us alone 
in our enemy state before a holy God. And Father, unlike the judge, Father, you, you didn't just pronounce judgment, but then you satisfied the penalty that we had to pay through the person of Jesus. I pray, Father, this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would awaken our hearts in a fresh way to the person of Jesus. Father, if there's one in this room who has not yet trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray that today, Lord, they would admit that they are a broken person before a holy God, that they would believe that Jesus Christ came and died for their sins, And, Lord, that by faith they would confess those sins before you and trust you, Lord, as one who loves them and who doesn't simply pronounce judgment, though you do, but as the one who provides for the penalty of that judgment and invites us into a living and lasting and loving, exciting relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.